You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Why? Hello there. Are you looking to be socially off-putting and ultimately no fun to be around? Then follow my 10 easy steps. Number one, never start a conversation. Sit in awkward silence at all times. Number two, if you desire to start a conversation for some inane reason, Start it out with no offense and follow it up with nonsense that may or may not be relevant. The more knowledgeable you pretend to sound, the faster people get away from you. Step three, stand very, very close to people. No elaboration needed. This is always awkward. Step four, believe that your opinions are fact, tested and proved. Step five, Phrase sentences as offensively as possible, e.g. everyone knows that. Well, except for you, apparently. Step six. Someone telling you good news? Let them down gently with something like, that's good. Were you the only one who applied for the job? I thought the last person was the one. Or, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Step seven. Don't listen. If someone is telling you something important, remember that you forgot to respond to that text message earlier and you had better be getting to it at this very precise moment. Step 8. Expanding on number 7, not only should you not listen, start a story about your own life that has nothing to do with what the other person just said as soon as they stop talking. If you get really good at nonsensical interjection, try doing it while they are still talking. Step 9. Disagree, disagree, disagree. Be the devil on the left shoulder. Even if you have to deny your own birth certificate verified name. Step 10, you're never wrong, duh. What's that? You wanna be socially apt and not inept? Well, do the complete opposite of steps one through 10. That'll save me from having to write how to be socially capable and a little less awkward and annoying in 10 steps. issues through the lens of non-aggression and reason. I'm your host, Kim Chang. Throw on your flannel, rent your U-Haul, and let's get this thing started. Hey, 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 folks. Welcome to episode one of Lesbertarian. We're about to pack up that U-Haul, and we're about to race toward liberty like we just met her yesterday. This is your host, Kim Chang, and today we answer the All-important question, is libertarianism LGBT-friendly? But before we answer that question, I want to take us back, back into the past. Remember your awkward high school days. Go ahead, work with me here, close your eyes, and remember your teenage self. Teenage Kim Shang, I wore oversized band shirts, big old Janko jeans, and my prized possessions, my wallet chains. Yes, I said chains plural. I had one little wallet chain that connected from my wallet to my belt loop, one medium chain that connected from my wallet to my belt loop, 
and one really large thick chain that connected from my wallet to my belt loop. I was styling, guys. I don't even know what was going on. I just remember one day me and my friend were running, and we hopped a fence, and as my friend was sailing away into the horizon, you guessed it, one of my chains got caught on the fence. So there's awkward teenage me hanging on the fence, my long royal blue and black weave trailing on the asphalt, and then suddenly, in the silence, I start hearing this distant ripping noise. Then the ripping noise started getting louder, and suddenly, bam, my head hits the asphalt. And after that, I never wore Janko jeans again. Amen. I did have a point to that story. The point being, we can all remember a time when we were trying to figure out who and what we are, and I want to bring it to the forefront that in this climate of victimhood, we can't stop counting our blessings of moving forward. I know trans men and women are still fighting an uphill battle, and yes, there are still hateful people, but at this point, you can be an everyday gay, and most people really don't even care. Honestly, don't care who you love, what you do, and I know even decades before me, it could mean your life if you came out of the closet. It could mean your job. And when I was in high school, it meant, what's my family going to think? I even had friends at that time who got kicked out of their homes for coming out. I just don't think it'd be in our best interest to lose sight of that. And I think the best way not to lose sight of that is to, number one, get rid of this whole victimhood mentality that is overtaking society. And number two is embracing libertarianism. And now, before non-libertarians freak out, I know there are a lot of definitions for libertarianism. A lot of them are wrong. And my favorite, and I wish I could say I have that I haven't heard this one more than once or some variation of it, the definition is usually a bunch of rich white guys who love guns, religion, and worship at the altar of Ron Paul and the Koch brothers. I can already tell you what's wrong with that, and you should be able to point that out already, because number one, I am not a man. Number two, also not a rich white man. Now, the key principles of libertarianism to me are, number one, self-ownership. Number two, individuality. Third, and this is the title of a popular book, I believe, by Matt Kibbe, Don't Hurt People and Don't Take Their Stuff. But I want to add on one more that I think gets lost even amongst libertarians, is that libertarianism is not necessarily political. It's more so a way of living. I know a bunch of people that are libertarians that don't bother to involve themselves in the political process. Yes, while we have our own party, that's a topic for another day, maybe a day I really don't want to talk about on the podcast. While we are still known for saying things such as, we want the government out of our marriages, out of our wallets, and all of that, that's important, yes. But to me, libertarianism is something that's lived. And I think that all of us in the LGBT community should be the first people to be libertarians. Because one, while we all struggle with who we are, coming out of the closet is, at least for me, was nerve-wracking. But once I was able to do that and become comfortable in my own skin, that led me to appreciating 
one, owning myself because nobody could have made that choice for me to come out of the closet to admit that I'm a lesbian. Nobody can make that decision for me. Nobody can make any decisions for you. You're the one who wakes up in your own mind, in your own body. None of us can do that but you. And realizing I was making this choice, this is part of my identity, well, that falls right into libertarianism, self-ownership. And knowing that I'm an individual that has needs, wants, desires like everybody else. And I know at this point, a lot of non-libertarians scoff at the idea of individuality, think it's selfish. I don't know if anybody has noticed, but we're all separate people. We're not a gigantic over 300 million amalgamation of human hive mind all stitched together. We're all separate. We're all different people. We all have different needs, different wants. Being an individual doesn't mean that you discredit or discard the group. What it means is that we're all different people, leading different lives, making different choices, and having the liberty and freedom to do so. The question I asked at the beginning of the podcast, is libertarianism LGBT friendly? Well, heck yeah, it is. And I rest my case. Now, it's time for gay news today, or yesterday. All depends on when I get to it. First up, we got Ellen DeGeneres spotted hanging out with George W. Bush. This is from LGBTQNation.com. Ellen DeGeneres has offered an explanation for why she was hanging out with George W. Bush, who, as president, opposed marriage equality, legal protections for LGBTQ workers, and appointed right-wing judges whose judicial philosophy is generally antithetical to legal equality. The two sat next to each other in the VIP suite at a Dallas Cowboys game this weekend. Now, DeGeneres said in her defense, When we were invited, I was aware that we were going to be surrounded by many other people from different views and beliefs. During the game, they showed a shot of George and me laughing together, and so people were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? But a lot of people were mad. Here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've gotten that. That's okay, that we're all different. Just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say, be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people who think the same way that you do. I mean, be kind to everyone. It doesn't matter. I'll have to agree with her there. Be kind to one another. And the fact is you're not going to live in a world where everybody thinks the same exact thing. While I agree, I prefer more people are open and accepting of all of us in the LGBT community. That's just not the reality at this point. There are some people that have different views. But the thing is, we can all be together. We can hang out together and have friendships. And I don't understand why we're moving in the direction where... If you even are seen or you glance at a person who thinks differently than you, it should just be this whole uproar. We're not all going to agree. That's what makes us all individuals. It's the getting along with each other and loving each other that should be the main focus. I think we're losing that in society. Once again, that's that whole victimhood mentality. So equal that we want to separate ourselves into groups of people that are exactly the same. Just seems to be backwards to me. Our second news article. This one's great. Apple is facing a lawsuit from a Russian man who claims that an iPhone app has made him gay and he's asking for 1 million rubles or around over 12,000 pounds. I guess if you're not gay, there's an app for that too. The app is called Gaycoin Cryptocurrency and the guy, the Russian guy who filed the lawsuit, he's unnamed in all the articles that I could find and I guess we can see why as we progress to this story. 
The unnamed man said he was sent gay coin instead of Bitcoin. I want to know if gay coin spins different than Bitcoin. Because I think the first thing that was purchased with Bitcoin was a pizza. So I'm wondering if you buy something with gay coin, do you just end up with like a gluten-free calzone and a Cosmo or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, the, the issue apparently started when the gay coin came with a note that said, don't judge until you try. That note is accurate. I'll admit that. But he takes the advice, which would be a great ending to this story, and it'd be heartwarming that a man has come out of the closet and he's recognized himself, but no, this guy over here, he's incensed that he's been involved with another man for about two months. He's got them gay regrets. I mean, don't you just hate when you do something that exposes your true self to yourself? In Russia, they decriminalized homosexuality in 1993, but I don't think they have educated everybody. I don't understand how any human can think that Bitcoin can make you gay. But if it did, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time on dating apps and gay bars. I'm just going to start sending all the straight women and their moms Bitcoin and mass. And sounds like a gay tabulous plan to me. And that's all, folks, for episode one. I'm looking to hopefully in the future get some interviews and extend this podcast a little. I just didn't want to talk off your ear too much in the first episode. I don't have socials lined up just yet for this podcast. I'm not sure if I will. But if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me on Twitter at The Lone Token, on Instagram at The Lone Token KS. Music in this episode comes from bensound.com. Thank you all for joining me in the U-Haul, and I'll see you next time. 